0: Man, praise the Lord. Why don't we turn back to our seats? and just praying before service. There's just so many things that I felt God was doing in prayer tonight, and uh can't really pinpoint one specific thing i just I can tell he was he was doing some things, and uh just his spirit just washing over me and cleansing my mind and my spirit uh, If we could just begin to do that tonight, just let everything go, lay everything down and just let his spirit wash over us tonight, Jesus mighty name. God, we let go of every care of everything in our lives. Lord, tonight we give all of ourselves to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your spirit would wash over every mind and every heart, Lord that every care and every weight would be set down on the altar, Jesus. Uh, we would leave it there, Lord, not to pick it back up, but to allow you to flow in and through each of us tonight, I pray. Spirit of God, have your way. Whatever it is you want to do, Lord, that we would yield to it, that we would allow your word to minister into each of our hearts, oh God. Lord, I wait on you tonight, Jesus, not in a hurry, but to wait on what you want to do. God, that I wouldn't miss what you call us for. Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, ende rekiararamae, and the resia rap ashondeye. Hindo rosia ye and a raba kondi arabasaye en de resotoho. Jesus, Lord, I wait. I wait on you. And man, can we just keep waiting on him? It's not about a feeling. We're not trying to find a feeling. We're not looking for something. We're just waiting. waiting. <laughs> Hito yeah no rosia taye ereko no so ye narabasia na ye and er Hito ya raba Lord, I receive your love into my spirit. God, I begin to walk where you are leading, Jesus. He tie and Ramano Rokia Ramay and the Reciarabashone. Ye no Rossia Rabashay and the Rekibaso no Rose Eto. He or Rabasay and the Recon Ribasharabaha. He no ye and the Reki Amano Rossi Aramay and the Lord, I open my spirit to Your word. Give me a love for Your word, a desire for Your word to be planted in my heart. Oh God, itayi anarabason derekimaie anarabason niararabashan biendo rociaye enere mi anarabasye etoro ko.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Amen. May every thought be brought in captivity and obedience to him. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. I was listening to a... uh, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, or lose track of time, whenever it was, uh, to some ministry uh, from Puyallup,
2: and uh, Elder
1: Johnstone was talking about rest, and I was having a conversation with one of my boys about that uh, yesterday, I think, and the privilege of rest that God gives, amen? i um i my wife and others give me a hard time because I don't require a whole lot of sleep, uh, at least they say I don't, but uh, it really is rest the Lord gives it's rest the Lord gives, and you know one of the biggest places that he gives rest so that we're not weary is our mind. He can give your mind rest. Where you and I can abide in Him, and He can—that's what happens when He brings every thought. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, "Every thought, every thought." Every thought. Now, our, our thoughts—just because we have a thought, doesn't mean it's bad. You understand? But you, have you ever laid in bed awake because of th- you couldn't stop your mind from thinking about stuff? Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah, I think I have like once, but. <laughs> When I lay down on the pillow, it's to go to sleep. And so if I lay my head there and I'm not going to sleep, I'm getting back up. Right? If my mind's going, going, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go talk to the Lord about it, get my mind calmed down, I'm going to sleep. But he gives us rest in our mind. I'm thankful for that. You know, the world doesn't have that. And so they're they're weary, their minds weary, ah. but uh, I'm thankful for that tonight, so thankful for the rest the Lord gives, praise God, glad you're here tonight, Um, you can be seated if you'd like to, amen, young people, don't forget Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock, bring a box of cereal, who knows what happened, amen. It's good to have uh, some uh, some of our college students back home, and so we're going to hear a little bit from them tonight. I don't know if they're going to teach, preach, or just tell you about great things the Lord did at college. Or, but uh so I asked Sister Jasmine to come. She's going to take a minute. She's got all kinds of books, so you might better brace yourself. <laughs> no, okay. Hey, Amen.
3: Well, it's good to be home. Praise God. Um, I do have something that I feel that God wants me to share, so I'm gonna get right to it for sake of time. But um, so I was sitting on the couch the other day, reading my Bible, and I kind of started thinking to myself, you know, like, what does it mean to what does it mean to be called? You know, like you go to college and people ask you that, especially Bible college. They ask you that a lot, like. You know, what is your calling or what do you feel called to do? Um, So the first thing that comes to my mind and maybe some of your guys' mind would be, you know, like, do I feel called to the mission field? Do I feel called to be a preacher? Do I feel called to evangelize? Do I feel called to children's ministry or worship team leader? Things like that. Um, So I started thinking to myself, what does scripture say that it means? Um, Where does the word calling occur and what does it mean? So I started searching out in the scripture, and the first one, or the first scripture verse that I came upon was Romans 11.29. If you want to turn there with me. So it reads, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So we see the word calling right there. Um, that word calling is klesis in the Greek. Um, which is the original language of the New Testament, because we know that the Bible wasn't written in English. It was Hebrew and Greek. So that specific word, clasis occurs 11 times in Scripture. And just to, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I forgot my phone. I need my Scripture. I'm going to run over here. Pretend this didn't happen. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. Stuff happens. (laughs) Okay. So um, I'm going to read a few Scriptures that have the same word, clasis in it. So 1 Corinthians 1 for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 1 Corinthians seven twenty. let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Ephesians one eighteen. the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Ephesians 4 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. And that word vocation, is the same word, clasis, it's calling, wherewith ye are called. So those are just a few scriptures so that you guys kind of get the context of the word calling that I'm talking about. So if we go back to Romans 11.29, that word calling means a divine invitation to embrace salvation. So in other words, it's saying, for the gifts and the divine invitation to embrace salvation of God are without repentance. At one, part or no, at one point or another, we have received an invitation from God to embrace his salvation. Salvation is being free from the penalty of sin so we can spend eternity with God. What's the penalty of sin? Well, we know that the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. So how do we get out from the penalty of sin? Well, we're baptized under the, under the water, fully submerged in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. God forgets our sins, and we receive the Holy Ghost, the utterance of speaking in tongues. So just like an invitation has a time and a place where this party or a gathering occurs, that's how it is with God. He writes your name on the invitation, appoints a time and place, and sends it. And you receive his invitation through a brief encounter at a coffee shop, at an at-home Bible study, a conversation with friends, or through a family member when you were a kid in Sunday school. However you receive this invitation from God, there was an appointed time, place, deliverer, and recipient. God didn't beckon you to salvation because your friend, your parents, or whomever whomever is living for him. God doesn't send out mercy invitations. You know, kind of like you're having a barbecue and you invite Susie, so you got to invite Karen so she doesn't feel bad or something, you know. (laughs) God's not like, oh, like, (laughs) God's not like, okay, here, you know, I guess you can have salvation. I guess I'm going to, you know, draw you in. He does it intentionally because he is intentional. He chose you. He wrote your name on the invitation. You're chosen. You are a chosen priesthood. You're, a holy, you're holy unto him. So I want you to grab your finger and point at yourself. Say, I am chosen. I am chosen. Now believe it. I am chosen. I am chosen. Okay. <laughs> Just like he sent that invitation to us to embrace his salvation, he's sending it to others in this valley. He wants to. God wants us to be the deliverer of his invitation. I want my family, and I want my friends, and I want my coworkers. I want everyone to receive salvation. I want them to be saved. But I want them to experience this because it's, it's the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced, and it always, it always will be. But just like whoever delivered God's invitation to us was, we need to be equipped. We have to be knowledgeable. We have to be sensitive to the Spirit. We have to be prayerful and obedient to the voice of God. I want to be in alignment with God's plan, his desires, and his will. I want to be sensitive to his voice and where he'd direct me, and I want to obey where he would direct me. Because I know what God has done for me, and I want that for others. So, if, any, if you've gotten anything from this, it would just be to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Because there's people who, just like we received that initial invitation from God, that drawing of his spirit, whoever it was, you know, whether, whether you've grown up in this or whether you've been saved along the way in your life, there's an initial invitation that needs to go out for people to be saved. And God is doing that in this valley. He's drawing people. And we need to be those vessels because he wants to use us so that these people can be saved. So just be to be obedient to the spirit of God.
4: I guess I don't get an introduction. As I was told. No, I'm just kidding. But for those of you that, uh, for those of you don't know me, I, my name is Joel Hart, <laughs> the fourth. I think you left your your pen up here, Sister Sister Jasmine. Hey, Amen. Well, my uh, my sister, she's um, she's out of town tonight, so I guess that means that uh, I have more time. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, I'm. I, I, I mean, to start off, I'm real proud of proud of Jasmine. I mean, we go to school together, and a lot of times I'll go into one of their classes and and hear them speak. Uh, they all speak on a, I guess not a weekly basis, but cycle through each person in the class speaking and, and go in there, and it's just really cool to know that man, you know, we're from the same same church, and hearing her speak and um and something she said that made me think, made me reflect tonight is is the verse in Galatians that talks about says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And I, I realize, and, and just through different ministry that's been taking place, I realize that, that that's, that's probably one of the most important things that we get a hold of in these end times, is being led by the Spirit of God. Um, there's a i mean i 'm in school, and I know many of you are in school you're you're either in school you 're teachers I feel like we have a lot of teachers here a lot of a lot of connections with school sister Priscilla 's not here but but there 's a lot of there 's a lot of involvement with education um, a lot of young people who are still in school and and we need education you know there 's some common sense things that come through teaching and the education system but what I realize is that a lot of times we we learn these different things. That the world has to teach that are, a lot of it is based from the word of God. Anyway, you know these the ways of life. It's principles from the word of God, uh, but sometimes we have to we get to a certain point of you know knowledge, and then sometimes we have to get to a point of unlearning a lot of these things that the world tries to put in us and instill in us. and We realize, man, that this contradicts the word of God. I'm going to get that of my out of my mind, out of my life. This contradicts the word, so nope has no place in me as a vessel of the Holy Ghost, as temple of the Holy Ghost. And so if I want to be led by the Spirit of God, I've I what I've been realizing lately is that you know we 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 realize the Spirit of God is something that we can't see. We we can maybe feel its presence sometimes, but you know, we have the word of God that's that's what we can see and, and read and but sometimes in, in my own life and walk with God I, I can tend to like separate the two. And I can, you know, pray a lot and try to be in the spirit a lot and then forget that his word is, is, you know, the, it's the blueprints, it's the principles, it's the, it's, it's what he, he'll he speak to me through. Uh, you know, the, the Lord, he may give us dreams. He may give us visions. He may speak to us audibly. He may impress something on our spirit, but you know, there's, there's doctrines of devils as well. There's things of this world that, like I said, if it contradicts the word of God, then it ha- we have no, there's no point in holding on to it. There's no point listening to it. And so what I've realized is that in my effort, in my attempt to, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit more and more, um, the more that I get in the Word of God, the more that I am ingesting the Word of God and, and just letting it saturate my mind, saturate my life, then when I feel like, okay, I'm going to be led by the Spirit in this situation, then as I'm led by the Spirit, then things from the Word of God are drawn out of me. Things from the Word of God just kind of come to the front of my mind and and I realize, man, that's not my thought. That's not that's not something I just thought of that was cool and good that, that I needed to say to this person. But because I've been spending time with him through his word, now as I'm led by the Spirit, the two just intertwine. And there's we've had we've had this evangelist in, in Stockton for, for the whole year since since the end of December. And something that he says and praises uh and I think it's so it's so true. He he prays that that this word would be made flesh in us, you know because the Bible says in John one that that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we know that that was jesus who who became flesh and um, and so I think it's I think it's very applicable that that this word can become flesh in us as well. this word can then be manifested in and through us uh, and in the world and and where we 're at um and 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 I believe that that's that's what we need to see happen. Um, I, I do have a, a couple things in the Word uh, that I want to share, and i i don't I don't plan to take long. But I, I I've just been as I've been reading the Word. It's funny how this happens. You you read the Word, and as you read the Word in fellowship with the Lord, um, these things just kind of stand out to you. Sometimes, you know i I try to ha- I try to keep a reading plan, a weekly, I guess, yearly reading plan that that I read every day, uh, these portions of scripture and, and, uh, just portions from multiple books throughout the Bible. And, and, uh, it, it was just blowing me away throughout this whole week. And then even today, how, how these different scriptures, uh, I was like, man, Lord, did you put this reading plan together or something like years ago? Because all this stuff like chapter 26 here and chapter 26 here and another book, it's like talking about the same thing. And and I think, well, you know, you weren't even the ones that put the chapters here originally. That was man. And so all this stuff just kind of going through my mind, but realizing and as as I try to be sensitive to the spirit, realizing that he's going to make things kind of just stand out to me. All of it, all of it's his word. All of it is, you know, inspired by him. But at different times and at different seasons, as 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 we're waiting on him and as we're you know, we're living in this world. There's things that will just stand out to us, and then it'll apply exactly where we're at. And there's there's something called, it's a timely word of God. And that's when we, you know, we've been reading his word, and it mixes with our spirit, mixes with faith. And then we get into an atmosphere like this, and we realize, okay, these people are here who God has drawn, who God has drawn and no one's going to be here who God hasn't drawn. And so because the people are here who God's drawn, and his word is here, and then now it's the right time, and it's quickened, and it'll, it'll come forth. And so I believe um, I believe that that will take place tonight. And something, my brother said it in opening, just feeling a lot of different things. And one of the things I, I feel like the Lord wants to do tonight, and whether it be you know, by my words or whoever may speak after, but I believe that the Lord wants to bring deliverance to us. And... Um, yeah in whatever way he would he would see fit but i really believe that he wants to bring deliverance and restoration and so if you have your bibles uh look with me at genesis chapter 26 you're going to see a a story here and, and it's kind of funny because um my family we've been we've been doing some research kind of about about wells um you know I, I never really realized how how prominent and how important wells still were uh, in today's society. You know, we, in the past, you see these brick kind of structures with the you know metal thing above and a bucket that drops in. And but we you know in my mind, I just think I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I never really thought like where does this water still come from? But but wells are still a very very important thing. And I remember when we first started kind of dialoguing about this a few weeks ago. I made the statement because of something. I said, "Man, that you know that could preach," and and I have I had no intention of <laughs> of coming today and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this fit and make this something that could preach," because that is opposite of of a timely word of God. That's it's not really how it's supposed to work. But but it's amazing how he uses things in the natural things things in the real world to to uh, line up with scripture and uh, get it on a level where us humans can can understand it. Uh, and so Genesis 26 and verse 1, I'll read a few verses here uh, and set the, kind of set the stage. And it says, And there was a famine in the land beside the f- first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So first thing we see here is like, like sister Jasmine mentioned, we, if we want to be led by the spirit of God, we have to obey the voice of God. We have to obey him when he says, Nope, you you don't need to go there. You don't need to go to that place. Uh, but stay here or go here. And it's interesting because, you know, his father went to the land of Egypt at one point, his, his father had, had done all these things. And, and, um, so he, so he, in verse three, he sojourns in this land and, um, or the Lord's still speaking actually It says sojourn in this land and I will be with you Will bless you for unto you and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath Which I swear unto Abraham thy father so He's reaffirming some things that he promised his father Abraham He said I'll make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven I'll give unto thy seed all these countries And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed Because that Abraham Obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. There it is again. Because of Abraham's obedience, the Lord's blessing is coming upon his son. Um, and then the story goes on, and this is where it gets interesting. It goes on, and Isaac he where he's at he uh, he he apparently has a, a a beautiful wife, and he gets he gets afraid that the king or the people of of this land are going to look upon her and want want her to be their wife and. So he for whatever reason does the same thing that his father did and he lies and says no she's my sister this this Rebecca this pretty girl that I'm just walking around you know everywhere with is is my sister and why they believe that I don't know but and then they saw something that uh proved otherwise and said okay she's definitely your wife and what I think is interesting is is what the Lord I and I'm sure there's a lot of other things but one of the things I think the Lord is showing us in this passage is how how much of a human Isaac is just like his father Abraham was we we know of Abraham as as the father of faith and we see him you know in Hebrews 11 and throughout Genesis and we just you know, and with many with many characters in the scripture we can put them on this pedestal and and think that okay that the things that they accomplished we we have no you know chance to accomplish and i think that through this passage the same struggles that Isaac had as his father had I think the scriptures are showing us, look, he's human. He's going to struggle in the same areas. Um, And so you skip down to verse, verse 12. And remember, the Lord told Isaac to remain in this land. He told him to sojourn in this land. Verse 12 says, then Isaac sowed in that land, and he received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. And then it talks about different possessions he has and, and uh, herds. And, and then it says, the, Philist, the Philistines, they envied him. And then going on, it says, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth, or they'd filled them up with dirt. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. They started to say, look, okay, you know, we're we're comparing a little bit here, and we realize you just came into this land, and within a year's time you've reaped a hundredfold. This is it's something that it's a supernatural thing that took place because of, as we see the verses before, because of the blessings of God and because of his obedience and his alignment with the word of God, there's blessings a hundredfold in his life. And we know that this happens, this can happen in the natural, but what I believe in and, and have seen and 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 when I came in and when I came in on on last Wednesday night, which was was my first first full day back uh, back from California, back from school, uh, we got here a little bit before service and and just as we began to pray before that service, I and there were some different things that had been spoken in Stockton that that I can tell it's just the voice of the Spirit to the church today, and but what. It, it was I, the only way I know how to explain it, what kind of I felt like happened when I got here on that Wednesday night and began to pray was was that the Lord just sort of he sort of just brought me into alignment and brought me into where we are as this congregation, uh, whether it was in my mind or spirit. I I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But the things he just started talking to me about regarding harvest, regarding uh, what he wants to do in these valleys. um I've, I've, and I know I've seen it. I've been I've been in California. I've, I've traveled around California a little bit here and there and heard the voices. It's the same voice. It's the voice of the spirit as men of God have yielded to the voice of the spirit. And I've realized, I guess you could say, kind of felt the pulse pulse of the spirit of God. And I believe in, and know that we're closer than ever before to to his return we're closer than ever before to the catching away of the church when he's going to finish his plan, you know, he's going to do what he needs to do with Israel and then it, it it's all going to be over. Um and what I what I feel and know is that as as revival like we've never seen before begins to unfold, as as these things begin to happen, there's, you know, we're going to face we're going to face new things essentially. And there's an old old saying, I don't I don't know who said it, but an old saying that's kind of funny, and it it says, "New levels, new devils." <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe you've heard that before, and I, I don't know, you know, how true that is in Scripture. But what I see, and we're going to read a little bit more here, and and see what it has to say. But what I see in my own life and throughout Scripture, and just the precedence that Scripture sets and the principles it shows, is that there may be you know demonic things in the world we have to war against, and and there is. But I think that our greatest opposition, our greatest enemy, is always going to be our flesh. It's always, and and if we're not careful, it's it's not only our own flesh, but we can then turn it and say, okay, now my opposition because Azario is also flesh. Now my opposition is is Azario because man, he's he's just as human as me. And you know, maybe let's take it back to the story so Azario doesn't get offended <laughs> at me. But maybe, you know, Isaac saying, look, my father, he was just as bad as me, or he did these same things, so it justifies what I'm going to do. You know, I'm carnal, I'm fleshly, I'm, I'm going to make this mistake. And, you know, however, you, you fill in the blanks, whatever whatever happens for you. But what I realize is, is that more than ever before, and you see it, I think it's in, in the book of Timothy, when it talks about people with with itching ears that they just want to hear some new doctrine, they just want to hear some new thing, and it talks about them being deceived and deception coming and and it, again it talks about doctrines of devils. Um, and I know that's kind of a weird thing to to hear. And I, I you know I don't I'm not going to go out on the street and just tell anyone like hey you you're not giving over to doctrines of devils are you? But but there's a spirit of the air. There's there's things in in this world that that would try to take us away from the truth and the principles of the word of God from being led by the spirit of God. And, and it's things that what I've realized is, you know, the enemy, the, the enemy of our soul, he's, he's kind of been doing this for a while. And so he, he, he studied humanity for thousands of years and he looks and he says, okay, like they they, they struggle with the lust of their flesh. They struggle with the pride of life. They struggle with things that they see, things that they hear, that they want, that they desire. So I'm going to, okay, here's Eve. I'm going to give her this fruit that looks really good to the eye to eat. Or here's this person, you know, that he's a man. And so sure, you know, I'm going to put a beautiful girl in front of her like he tried to do with the Philistines. And 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 the Lord said he would have cursed them all. He said he would have cursed the, the Philistines if it wasn't for them realizing that this was actually Isaac's wife. Um, anyway, that was just kind of... That was a side note. So let's let's read a little more here, and I believe that it's going to all come together. Um, so we know that the the Lord he he caused he caused Isaac to to uh, to reap a hundredfold, something that, that was supernatural. And then it talks about the wells of his father being filled with dirt of the enemies. So verse seventeen says, "And Isaac departed." Uh, he departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So he dug out all the earth, all the dirt that had been filled in the wells of his father that, that his, father's, his, his father had already dug. And then verse 19 says, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. So now they've dug out the wells of, of his father. They've, they've unearthed the, these old wells, but now they, they've gotten to a place, they, they, they've grown and, and they've prospered. And now they realize, okay, we, we need a new well. We have to dig something on our own. We have to, we have to get some water for ourselves. And so they dig this new well, and water sprang forth, but verse 20 says, the, herd, the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours, and he called the name of the well Isek, because they strove with him. So they they just dug this new well, and they're here with all these herdsmen. And again, it sounds familiar to this story of Abraham and Lot and how their herdsmen contended and, and they fought with each other because they said, no, you know, our, 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 you know, our crops are getting too big, our, our herds are getting too big, so we're going to have to part ways because we, we, we're envying, we're stri- there's strife between us, so we can't live in the same place. So what happened with Abraham and Lot, they said, look, you look out, pick, pick you a, a direction you want to go. And we know the story, you know, Lot, he, he picks the well-watered plains of, of Jordan and he goes that way and, and his story continues kind of down a downward spiral. But uh, here again, it happens with Isaac and, and the people of Gerar and there's contention. And it's so interesting because what, what Isaac decided to name the well, that, that word Esek or Esek, however you want to say that, uh, it, it, it literally means contention. So I think it's so interesting how the Hebrews, they, 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 they kind of thought uh, really literally. They, you know, they named things based on exactly what took place or, or you know, what was there. Uh, and, and so they understand it and, and their, you know, mindset and understanding Hebrew a lot better than we can. And so, you know, it's so interesting looking at, at the meanings of these things. Um, and so they, there's this one well that they dug, but, but it means contention. And so then verse 21 says, and they digged another well, but here again, they strove for that also. And so he called the name of it uh, Sitna, which means strife. So verse 22 says, in kind of my own words, it says, okay, he's had enough. There's strife, there's contention going between these people in my land. The Lord's, he's already given me a hundredfold harvest. You know, but now I, here I am. I've dug up, I've redug the wells of my fathers. I've dug two of my own wells, and all there is is strife and continual contention that's taking place. So now I need to remove myself from here. He removed himself thence, and he digged another well. For and for that they strove not. He he separated himself enough, and so now for this third well they they finally stopped their striving. They stopped fighting, and so he called the name of this. R- this well, uh, Rehoboth, and said, "For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land and the name of the name of that well literally means spacious or or room, so because the Lord had made room for them and and so what I want what I want to make note of here is that you know he they had they had dug their own wells they had they realized okay for for there to be harvest, for there to be something produced. We have to have water. That's, that's just the first rule of thumb that uh, you, you take any, you know, health class, any, any, any type of schooling, you know, okay, you can only go this many days without water, uh, whether you're in the desert. You have to have water, right? And especially if you're trying to grow a crop. And so we know at one point he had water because his, his harvest, it, it reaped a hundredfold. And now here he is. He's, he's growing. The Lord's blessing him. And, and now there's contention. There's strife and what i feel like what what i feel like the lord laid on my heart today is that you know with contention and strife if if we don't take care of contention and strife in our life and in our camp so to speak and where we've pitched our tent which is kind of where we abide where we live if we don't deal with that contention that strife that comparison of ourselves one to another or that that competition then there's just going to be a bunch of stopped up wells a bunch of wells that maybe we've dug that are new, but they're doing no good because we're fighting over them. And so we can't be fruitful in a land that God wants to bring us into. And, you know, it may seem like, okay, well, this, this is a story from thousands and thousands of years ago. And, and, you know, you can translate these words and they can mean strife and contention, but, but what if we bring it exactly to where we are today Um, because I believe that throughout even the old Testament, God's his, his idea, his mindset of, of the church is present in the old Testament and there, it may not have actually been the church, but there was this outline, this, this blueprint for the church. And we see, you know, the children of Israel being led through the wilderness by the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, exampling being led by the spirit of God. And we, so let's, so if we bring it to where we are today, and we realize that we're in this we're in these valleys and, and we have the examples of it all around us with with the apples, with the hops, with cherries, with with all these orchards and all these these crops that produce year in and year out. And but we, we if we make it and we took take it and look spiritually and realize that we're at the end times, we're, we're in the last we're in these last days. And the book of James, it says, and whether we're in the last days or not, the, the book of James says our life is but a vapor. And so whether, whether we're going to be the final generation or not, each of our lives are only a vapor. And so are, are we going to spend our lives, spend our time in strife and contention and saying, you know, I, it, we, it, we talked about it. it. It's been talked about over the last few weeks. And, and it's, it, it was one of those things that as I was reading this and and the feeling like the Lord is showing me this, I I just kind of thought to myself, like, you know, Lord, this is my first time to <laughs> to speak, and is this really what you're going to kind of have me talk about? And um, and, and I guess maybe you know his his reasoning is because because I haven't been here, so so if anything, you know, and I obviously I have no, I have no idea. I don't I don't think any of this is going on, um, but maybe the Lord's saying, well, I'm going to use this new person because you can't look at him and say, well, he just knows this and flip it on me. But, but if we're not careful, we, and, and we're, we're at this place, we're at this place where, and I think of, and this is kind of how it's been brought full circle for me personally. Um, if you look at the, the story and I think it's Matthew 13, um, the story of the, the sower, which, I think we talked about last Wednesday. Um, this sower he he sows seeds in, in all these different types of ground, and he's got ground that has rocks in it, and so the the seed can't take can't take much root because of the rocks, and and the sun scorches it, and it withers and doesn't produce anything. And then the seed gets it's planted in and by the wayside, and the birds get it, and it's can't produce anything. And then the seed that's planted, and, and then there's thorns that come up around it and choke it out. And the Lord then begins to explain to his disciples that these types of ground, what what they mean. And and then there's another type of ground, the good ground, that, that it falls into and produces. And it says it produces some, some tenfold, I think some seventyfold, and some a hundredfold. Just like it happened with, with Isaac when he was in the land, when he was in the place where God told him to be, when he obeyed what God told him to do, there was a there was a, a reaping of, of a harvest a hundredfold. And but what's what I find so interesting is is in that story of the the sower, the what the Lord explained to them that that the ground with the thorns meant. He said that that ground with the thorns it's it is the cares of life. The, what the thorns represent is the cares of life. And the deceitfulness of riches. It's it's things in this life that just just like I said, the things that the enemy is going to come and try to put in front of us and say, well, you know, you could get a raise on your job. Maybe that's maybe that's going to take them away from church a little bit more, or you know. And it's deceitfulness. It's deceitfulness of riches. Brother brother Caleb I, on Sunday made a statement that stuck with me, and I kind of I heard everything else, but it was one of the first statements he made, and, it was the fact that when God made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, he, had, he made the garden first. God made the garden before he made the people that he put in the garden. And so God, God made everything that the people needed before he even made the people. And I believe and I know that, that God, the place that he wants to get us to is trusting and realizing that he's made everything that we already need. He's, he's already produced everything that we're ever going to need. And so if we get to a place in harvest, because we're in, I guess the term you could say, we're in harvest mode. We're, we're in that place where the Lord's trying to take things out of us so that he can put things in us, so that he can then bring us into the world and use us to see things produced in souls that are all around us. But if, if we're still over here, if we're still striving with our brother, with our sister, we're not going to be fruitful. Our wells are going to be stopped up and there's not going to be any water to be able to produce anything. And then if we have cares in our life and we're still worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to put on, it's going to be thorns that's just going to come and choke that seed that God would try to put in our life. And it's, you know, it's the things of God. I I, I say it often, the things of God, they're, they're so simple, but it doesn't mean that they're easy. And it, it's these things that are so simple, realizing that okay, I just shouldn't you know, strive with my brother. I shouldn't fight with my brother. But it's still so easy to, to do that instead of not doing it. It's so easy to give in to the things of our flesh instead of being led by the Spirit. But if we, if we realize, and, and this is what, this is where, where the Lord is, has really had me at, is, is realizing that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, it's, it's not about the fact that He'll exalt us in due season, but it's the fact that under the hand of God, we're at a place where He can lead us, because his hand, his hand is used to lead us, and under His hand, we're, we're, we're in a posture in a place where He can then provide for us, because his, his hand represents His power and His strength, and under His hand, we know that we're protected from anything else around us, as, as we're humbled under His hand. And so we have all these things, all these elements as we're humbled under the hand of God. But what we have to do is cast our care on him. We have to cast all those things that would choke out the seed of the word of God from being produced in our life that we can then go and see it be produced a hundredfold. And I know that in this end times where we are is it's, it's at that point, it's at, it's at that point of, of God wanting to say, you know what? I'm, I, I need to take some of these things out of you so that I can put this in you so that I can see a, a, so that I can see a harvest. So that I can see you go into the world and have something to give to them. Because if we still have all these cares of our own life and we haven't trusted God enough with, with our cares, then he, he can't take us into the world and, and take from us and give to other people because we, we're still worried about, man, I don't even know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Instead of realizing that our Heavenly Father has already provided it, He's already taken care of it. And um, just there's one other verse that, that I read today that really, that really uh, tied in with all of this that I want to read really quickly. And then I'll be done. James, uh, the book of James, chapter 3. While you're turning there actually there's there's a proverb that I read today. So I guess two other two other verses quickly. Proverbs Proverbs chapter Proverbs chapter twenty six. It says, Where no wood is, there is there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, or or there's no murmurer, there's no whisperer, then the strife ceaseth. So if if we're not if we're not whispering, if we're not murmuring about our brother or about a sister, it's like we're taking away the wood that the fire can burn and consume to cause there to be a problem. If it, it's it's almost like our words are the wood, and if we'll just shut up sometimes. Really, if we'll just shut our mouth and say, you know what? Maybe I'll just go sow something positive instead of talking. And, you know, maybe it's never going to get to my brother. Maybe, maybe his REO is never going to hear me talking about him. But I know that I'm still creating a fire over here because I'm the one that's murmuring. I'm the tailbearer that's murmuring and causing more contention and more strife. And the next verse says, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And then, whoops. James chapter, James chapter three. And I won't read all of this, but I realized as I was reading the the verses at the end of this chapter, how, how the verses prior to it talk about the tongue, how the tongue is an unruly member that no man can tame and, how our tongue is is set on fire by by hell and all this crazy stuff that we realize this little member the smallest of our members how how much trouble how much problems it can create um and we, we out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings all these things, but where I want to read is uh verse thirteen James three and thirteen says who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion And every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above. And this is how you tell the difference. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable. It's gentle and easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits. Without partiality. Without hypocrisy. And verse 18 says. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Of them that make peace, so I don't know if I don't know if any of this all if, if this all makes sense, if this all connects, but what I believe and know that where the Lord wants us to be is as His church, as His body, that we be at peace with one another, that we be sowing peace and righteousness among the bodies so that we can take his word, take the seed of his word out into the world, and to the harvest that's ready we can be ready ourselves to go and to reap that harvest. Amen. So I wonder, I'm, I'm going to turn this over, but I wonder if we can just, right where we're at, if we can just close our eyes and, and pray that the Lord would plant this seed in our hearts tonight. Jesus, I want no strife or contention in me, Father. Jesus, I pray that you would dig out some old wells tonight. Oh God, bring us to a place, Father, where we can dig out new wells, that the water of your Spirit, Jesus, would cause us to be fruitful and multiply in this day and age where we're in. Father, we know we are in the end times. We know, Jesus, that we near the coming back where you are drawing away your church.
0: Father, and I pray that we would sow righteousness, that we would sow peace.
4: Jesus, I pray that we would speak well of our brother, that we would exalt our brothers above ourselves, that the church, Jesus, would love one another, that the world would see and know that we are your disciples because we love one another, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
1: I want to give you a chance to just respond to the word of the Lord tonight. I'm going to open this altar to you. Would you find a place to pray and talk to the Lord? Let him search out our heart. The the scripture talks about contending for our own way. Contention is often just when I'm contending for my own way. The only thing we're told in scripture to is to earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. Would you find a place and talk with the Lord tonight? Jesus, in your name. Father, I don't want to contend for my way. In the name of Jesus, I want my words and my thoughts and my conversation to be of you, Father. Lord, if there's conversation about my brother or my sister, let it be edifying, encouraging, strengthening, Father. If there's thoughts in my mind or my heart about my brother or sister, Father, let me identify the source swiftly by what those thoughts are producing, Father. That there be no contention or strife. That your will would be wrought in the body of Christ and in the earth. That we would be fitly framed together, Father. For your purpose in this hour. For your purpose in these valleys. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
2: In the name of Jesus. Father, let me not contend for my way. Let me not contend for my way.
1: Let my way be crucified.
2: Let my will be crucified. Let my desire be crucified. That your will would be done. That your will would be done, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I ya 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 Right now, yeah. mane ki rama lela
1: In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we are in a climate in our world today where many are contending for their way. Uh, As human beings, I'm pretty sure we've always been opinionated. Um, But now there's just more avenues to get it out there. And so it it allows people to contend for their way and now they can they can contend for their way behind the security or the safety of a keyboard or a digital device they can promote their way without looking someone in the eye and they can continue to feed contention and strife I um, uh, Anybody ever heard of the term passive-aggressive? A couple of us. Um, There's there's different reasons. I've been been reading about passive-aggressive nature the last little while. Um, There's different reasons why. I won't go into all that. You go read it and study it yourself. It's interesting. Um, I... There were things I would do at times in my life. And I would be praying about them and talking to the Lord. I, I've always asked God, God, if there's something in my spirit or my action that doesn't please you, I don't want to hide from it. Does that makes sense? If I want to be swift to repent... I want to be swift to repent. Um, Pride to keep us from doing that. If I'm contending for my way. Now, I I mean, I want to be swift to truly repent. Right? I mean, just. And uh, so I. um, I. I, By God's grace, I, I think I've gotten better. I used to be really, 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 really sarcastic. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, Some of you know what I'm talking about. I I mean, it it was terrible. I could have a sharp word in a moment, in a moment, in a moment. And uh, I never forget one day in our home in Puyallup years ago, um, we had um, bought like these $5 DVDs for our kids. This whole set, and they were Lucy. I thought, you know, Lucy's so funny; she's no big deal, whatever. Lucille Ball, right? You know, safe, so old, and anyway, uh, I was—I'll never forget it. I was in the kitchen, and I don't know if all or a couple of my kids were in there watching one of those Lucy DVDs, and it was grating on me. I—I'm I, just hearing. I'm not even hearing the whole thing of what they're, but it's, man, it's just like piercing at my spirit. The sarcasm is just like, it's it's all I can handle. And I don't know if I, I think I said something to my wife, like, what are they watching? I mean, because we've always, we were always very guarded about anything we would let them watch. And so I was like, what are they watching? She goes, it's that Lucy stuff. I'm like, well, get rid of it. And we did from that moment. It was gone. I, w- I didn't want to go a little further and see, well, maybe it's just me. No, I knew what I felt, and it was so sarcastic and so cynical. It was years old, but there was a spirit of it. I thought, I don't want my kids entertaining that. And so I, I, I'm probably hypersensitive to it because I was, could be so cynical. And so guys, doing all right. And so, anyway, um, I know there's parts of my nature, my human nature, not his. My human nature that can be passive-aggressive with my comments. So I've been reading about that. You know, it's okay to read. Sometimes we just go pray God fix it. No, sometimes he's saying "You you need to get some understanding. I'll show you what's going on and I'll help you. And so I've been reading about this more and more and more and more trying to Deal with elements that I I want God to get right in my life. Purge from my spirit. His nature, not mine. And uh, in this day and hour of contending for our way, hiding behind keyboards, it's really easy to be passive-aggressive if you're not careful. Right? Brother Zario, you're getting picked on tonight. Talking about contending and strife. And maybe there's something going on. I need to get a message to him. But what I'll do is rather than send it just to Brother Azario, I'm just going to make a public post that I'm sure he'll see. And maybe he'll get the message. That's contending. That's strife. That's sowing strife. Well, yeah, I'll just take that. Oh, somebody else said what he needed to hear. I'll just put that right there. Maybe I'll tag a few people, but I'll make sure I tag him in it too, and he'll see it maybe. I have to be careful. I don't want to continue the scripture tells me that if I were if I'm spiritual, if I'm spiritual and I were to see my brother, then I'm going to go to my brother in a spirit of meekness. And I'm going to consider my brother knowing that it's quite possible in my humanity, I could be tempted as well. And so I'm going to come to him in a spirit of meekness with him. That's not contention. You know, the Lord keeps dealing with this along the way. It was a few weeks ago. The flowers talked about murmuring. And I, I really have. I've prayed and said, Lord, you keep dealing with this. Either A, you're just really making sure we get this in our spirit so that it doesn't creep in and do something as you're reaching into the harvest through the body, or B, I'm just totally, completely blind and ignorant, but you see what we do not see, which I know is true, and so you're trying to help us and deal with this element if it's happening. It's important. It's important. We must ask God. God, anywhere that I'm contending for my way. I don't want my way. I don't want my way. I used to. I honestly, I don't want my way. I want his way. That's what I'm interested in. His way. What does he want? And this is a real battle for every one of us. If you think it's not a battle for you, you're deceived. It was a battle for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's a battle for you and I. He had to deal with it in the garden. He said, nevertheless, not my will. If it's possible, let this, I want my will. If there's any way it's possible, do what I want. Nevertheless, not my will. What was he doing? He was saying, Father, do away with what I want so that what you want is done. But if I contend for my way, it's a sure sign I'm not yet submitted to his way. You've heard me tell this before, but it bears repeating. I walked into a conversation with Bishop Wright a few years ago. And I had been waiting for him for almost, my wife and I together had been waiting almost eight hours to meet him. We were supposed to meet him about five hours before. I wanted to come home. I was on the other side of the mountain. Long story short, I walk in. He, find, he walks in. He says, how are you doing, Brother Hart? I said, I'm surviving. That was my response. I'm surviving. My wife went off to the restroom really quick. And I said, I'm surviving. He said, that's your problem. I said, well, thank you. It's good to see you too, Brother Wright. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's what I thought. I didn't say anything. He said, that's your problem. You're not dead yet. You're not dead yet. We've spent a lot of time here ministering about dying to self through the years. I think probably one of the last things that we die to is our way of thinking. Because we have a lot of pride. I, won't, I can have a lot of pride about how I think. Well, I think I can have a lot of confidence in my opinion and my way of thinking. It's a seat of pride. And so I have to die to my opinion of how I think. Otherwise, it will be a place for contention and strife in the body at some point. Until we are all only contending for his way. That's unity. Doesn't mean we all look exactly the same, sound exactly the same in our cookie cutter robots. You understand? But it means the only thing we're contending for is his way. We're all contending for his way. We're all contending for his way. We're all all desirous of his way. I'm not promoting my thing and you're promoting your. It's his way. Praise God. Why don't we stand together tonight? Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for his love toward us? His love toward us. I've learned something in this last week and I've been praying it. We talk a lot about laying our lives on the altar. I've been praying, God, I lay my mind on the altar. I lay my mind on the altar. I lay my thoughts on the altar. I want every part dead. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Go with God. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.
2: Hallelujah.